Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre, and you are you. And we are happy that you are here with us. A lot going on here today, but one of the things that always makes me happy, and hey, I mean, there are times that not everything is great with our partners, right? Nobody's perfect. And there's times you guys will contact me and if I can, I'll, you know, go to that partner and see if we can make amends with your situation. And often we can do that. But overall, the vast majority of feedback we get on our partners here on the show is positive. And one of the partners we've gotten the most positive response from our friends over at Eden Pure Air Purifiers. Got this one again from uh, Zachary Legrand. Just says, I decided to try out the Eden Pure Air Purifier. At our 1850s era cabin, the stale, musty air is sometimes a little much to handle. Within a couple of hours, the air quality had completely transformed. This will now come up, come with us every trip we make to the ca- cabin. The power consumption was minimal as well. Wanted to say thank you to Eden Pure. Gotten several stories like that from our friends over at Eden Pure Air Purifiers. The best-selling thunderstorm air purifier right now uses Oxy technology. It is also filterless. And if you want to give it a shot right now, you get three units for under 200 bucks. They come in packs of three, so three units for under 200 bucks right now for multiple rooms, multiple levels in your home. Uh, use the discount code Steve3 to get that savings and also to get free shipping. Free shipping and those savings when you use the promo code Steve3 at EdenPureDeals.com. Again, that's EdenPureDeals.com. All right, coming up on the show here today, uh, at the bottom of the hour, a guest that we have been waiting quite a bit to have come on the program. Pedro Gonzalez is going to join us. He has a, a feature out about what, um, <clears throat> pardon me, sorry about that, uh, the island of Dr. Moreau. What's behind it? Who's behind it? We'll get to him uh, and the work that he did on that topic and more coming up at the bottom of this hour. Next hour, for fake news or not, we're going to discuss one man, Elon Musk. And I saw a tweet this morning from friend of the program, Julie Kelly, who used to work with Pedro Gonzalez at American Greatness, right, Todd, right. if I remember right? Yeah. Pointing out that he has now, in the last few weeks, stepped into the space formerly occupied by Donald Trump as chief disruptor of the system. I mean, it's it's been quite a 24 hours here. I mean, they've lifted the uh, censorship on COVID, so-called COVID misinformation, and none of it was. It was just all true. That's why the previous owners of Twitter didn't want you to see it. Um, What else? Uh, They are restoring uh, suspended accounts uh, as we speak. Uh, What else? Um, He declared war or a willingness to go to war against Apple. So there's that. OK, I mean, there there uh, this has been a bit of a whirlwind here uh, over the last few weeks for Elon Musk since he took over on Twitter is what we're seeing with this fake news or not. We will discuss that coming up next hour. Also, my daughter will be here. Uh, we're going to play the game. Two truths and one lie. Uh, that should be fun. I can't wait for you guys to hear mine. <laughs> Aaron just picked all lies. Nice. <laughs> and then for Pop Culture Tuesday, once, okay, maybe it was just a trend. People didn't like you didn't bring back the main voice star. 
you know, maybe some places they're still, they still weren't sure six months ago with, you know, taking the kids to the theaters, but now it's happened to Disney twice. This is the second now $200 million animated production that Disney has put out this year that has bombed and they both have something in common that you cannot ignore now at this point. Uh, Strange New Worlds is going to be one of the biggest flops in modern Hollywood history, looking at its current trend line, like Ishtar level, a flop. We'll talk about that and what it means or may not mean uh, when we get to Pop Culture Tuesday later on in the show. But before we get to all of that, let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by that shining city on a hill. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby was asked about the ongoing protests over the lockdowns in China. I'm wondering, what is the president's reaction when he hears protesters in China chant freedom or Xi Jinping step down? The president's not going to speak for protesters around the world. They're speaking for themselves. Um, and our, our message to peaceful protesters around the world uh, is the same and, and consistent. People should be allowed uh, uh, the, the the right to assemble and to peacefully protest. Wow, what a ringing endorsement. Twitter CEO Elon Musk says Apple is threatening to remove that app from the App Store, but won't give a reason why. This comes just days after Twitter quietly announced it's no longer enforcing its COVID-19 misinformation policy. In completely unrelated news, Apple has reportedly been helping the Chinese Communist Party suppress communication between protesters by blocking the use of the file sharing service AirDrop. Back to Twitter and back at the White House, Karine Jean-Pierre was asked this by a Reuters reporter. You know, there's a researcher at Stanford who says that this is a critical moment, really, in terms of um, ensuring that Twitter does not become a vector for misinformation. I mean, are you concerned about the, you know, Elon Musk says there's more and more uh, subscribers coming online. Are you concerned about that? And what tools do you have? Who is it at the White House that is really keeping track of this? So look, this is something that we're certainly uh, keeping an eye on. Coming soon to a rural America near you, the Dutch government is aiming to seize up to 3,000 farms and shut them down in that country. The goal of doing so is to meet EU climate rules. Democrat Senator Chris Murphy is floating the idea of suspending federal funding to local law enforcement agencies who won't violate your Second Amendment rights. The majority of counties in this country have declared that they are not going to enforce state and federal gun laws. They have decided that they are going to essentially refuse to implement laws that are on the books. Um, that is a growing problem in this country. And I think we're going to have to have a conversation about that in the United States Senate. Do we want to continue to supply funding to law enforcement in counties that refuse to implement state and federal gun laws. This is a member of the Mojave County Board of Supervisors at their meeting on certifying the midterm election results. Um, I vote aye under duress. Um, I found out today that I have no choice but to vote aye or I'll be arrested and charged with a felony. Um, I don't think that that is what our founders had in mind when they used the democratic process to elect our leaders, our self, form of self-government. And I find that very disheartening. With your vote of four ayes and zero nays, you've approved item 1B. Anything else for the good of the order? 
Who could have seen this coming update? You remember this guy? He's Sam Brinton, and he was in charge of some government agency to do with nuclear waste and is just generally a sexual deviant. Well, back in September, he quietly took a leave of absence, and now we know why. He's been criminally charged for stealing a woman's suitcase at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. He claims he left the clothing contained in the suitcase in his hotel room in St. Paul, but the clothing has yet to be recovered, so there's that. Groomer update, Disney's new kids movie with overt rainbow jihad themes absolutely flopped at the box office this past opening weekend. The movie, called Strange World, couldn't crack $25 million over the long weekend and reportedly had a budget of almost $180 $80 million. And finally, can you help me make sense of CNBC's Jim Cramer talking about China's zero COVID policy? We all know that we have the ability to stop what they're doing. So in, in this end, idea, well, he's backed into a corner, President Xi. No one's backed in a corner. All you have to do is just say, you know what? We're going we're gonna to use this. We're going to reverse it. We have our own. Now, all they have to do is call China vaccine. I mean, they reverse generated. It's not like they get to use Moderna. You, so you're saying it's not about pride or no. trying to pretend like you need the West's help. No, it's just just outright confusing. Uh, almost as if that that he wants the economy to shrink, and you know he doesn't. So uh, I just that's why I say I, I I told Becky, don't try to game this thing because it's really it's an irrational strategy. There is no zero COVID. You can't. We no one has immunity to COVID. There's no natural immunity. So if you're with someone who's it's like, you know, people don't maybe not old enough, but the measles. Like one kid would come to class with the measles and then the next day everybody had the measles. And we don't have anything like that anymore. But that's, you know, COVID's the measles. Yeah. Well, you, you talked about that, that during the pandemic. Yeah. So I mean, like I remember. And, yeah, I remember the kid's name who came in with the measles. And then the next day, nobody's in class because he had the kid had the measles. I never liked the kid again, frankly. I knew exactly who had it. He knows too. And that's what happened while we were away. Is is there anything in that clip that is coherent, let alone true? I mean, anything. Anything, anything, anything in that clip, either coherent or true. Anything. To be honest, I can't remember the last time Jim Cramer said something coherent or true, so... That was the face of invincible ignorance. Do you know how much more wealthy he is than all of us combined? Uh, we should have maybe been I'll take dumber. The sanity any day of the maybe week. Maybe we should have been dumber. We we should have rethought yeah. sanity and clarity. Never and gone for dumber. It it obviously pays extremely well in contemporary society. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at My Patriot Supply. Have you heard about the diesel fuel shortage? That could mean truckers unable right here, of course, as winter approaches uh, to deliver the food to your local grocery store. This could cause potentially food shortages like we've never seen before, you know, like the other shortages we've never seen before. That's why you want to go to MyPatriotSupply.com, save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit. That'll give you breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. That'll give you the full complement of the 2,000-plus calories of nutrition you need a day. Stays good as well for over 20 years with proper storage, so you will have peace of mind to know if it goes down, your family is covered. Take advantage of this 25% discount and get free shipping right now when you go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Again, head to MyPatriotSupply.com. 
gmail.com. There's three things in Aaron's montage I want to address. Um, A couple of them are going to come up later on. As I've already previewed, we'll get to the latest flop now. Disney with two animated flops in the same year. First of all, the idea of ever, Disney ever having an animated flop. I mean, the last time Disney had an animated film that did not make money, I looked it up. It has happened before. Can you even guess what it is? Would you even be able to venture a guess at what it is? Can you give us an era? Not this one. (laughs) It's not this one. It's before you were born, brother. Before you were born. The Black Cauldron. Never even heard of it. I remember the title. And it ended up being considered in in the original animation era before we went to the Pixar CGI stuff. I mean, it was considered one of their most nuanced, uh, well-written stories, but five-year-olds aren't looking for nuance. You know what (laughs) I mean? That's not... All right? And so... Teenagers and college kids liked it, but they, the movie wasn't made for them. The Black Cauldron was the last time that Disney put out an animated feature that lost the money. That was like 1982, 1983, Todd. They've put out two in one year that this has happened to them now. We'll get into that in Pop Culture Tuesday. Uh, also, we'll get into um, Elon Musk, as I just alluded to, more with fake news or not. But I want to I begin actually addressing what is happening in China. This is, and, and I think maybe what Kramer is trying to say in the clip that Aaron just played is that they are doing this to themselves and they don't have to. Did you kind of get that vibe? I think maybe that's what he's trying to say. And there was some of that in there, But there's there, yes. plenty of ways out. They don't have to do this to themselves. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. See, this is where worldview matters. If your worldview is that human beings are nothing but a composite of wishes, impulses, desires, and wants, you know, the, basically Maslow's hierarchy of needs... That there's nothing to the human species other than that. A very Darwinian view. What is the subtitle of Origin of Species? The struggle for survival of favored races. Or is it species? I can't remember. That's a very Darwinian view. That's a very utilitarian view. It has been a dominant view in the West, really, post-Darwin. It is the dominant view in the West here in the 20th and 21st centuries. And it's a lie. It's just completely untrue. There are two worldviews in humanity. Only two. There's lots of ideologies within these worldviews. But really, there's only two. God is, or he isn't. And within that isn't, there's a lot of diversity and fallacy even within the god is there's a lot of diversity but that really is it how that often plays itself out geopolitically within a nation state is god is god where the state is 
The reason why communism failed in the 20th century is because invariably it would come to a place where it had to make a choice. Because it operated against the natural law and against human nature. Human nature must be incentivized to achieve. It must be incentivized to work. It will not do so altruistically because human nature is broken. So it needs the right incentives. That's the difference between the pilgrims seeing about half of them die the first winter on Plymouth Rock and then within three years tripling their crop. They tried rewarding productivity instead of socialism, communalism. Human nature has to be incentivized to be better than what it is. Marxism removes that incentive. Really all of totalitarianism is. What was the sign that the Nazis put over the concentration camp? Something like work is its own reward or something like that? Something along those lines, right? So whether it's fascism or Marxism, any form of totalitarianism is a denial of human nature. And so Marxism comes to a point where it has to make a choice. Soviet Union came to this point. In the Reagan era, we economically drove them to the point they had to face reality of human nature. So what the Soviets tried to do was perestroika under Gorbachev, a new openness. That's what it meant. They'd moderate some. The problem was that they were too far behind economically. And then once the Eastern Bloc countries, including their own, got a a taste of freedom, what did they want more of? Freedom. Freedom. And so they opened the door a crack to their own demise. The Chinese watched this and said, we actually think we can crack the code by preemptively giving our people that freedom before we reach that breaking point. So coming out of Tiananmen Square, they changed their approach. They lobbied for most favored nation status with the U.S. in the 1990s. And they essentially became a soft totalitarian country. Essentially, if you didn't challenge the supremacy of the regime, you could live a life that wasn't that much different than a lot of Westerners were living. Go to work. Enjoy your technological marvels and accoutrements. Have some leisure time. There were some subtleties, obviously. You know, the the West made it very available for you to kill your kid and encouraged you to do so for all the same reasons that the Shycoms forced you to. The same exact Malthusian ethical belief system. Okay. But but we're talking shades here. It's really just a shade between subsidizing Planned Parenthood and mobilizing it on your people. That's not much of a difference, really. Not much. So they thought they had cracked the code. They thought, we're going to serve human nature, soft-headed human nature. We will serve it up what it really wants. They tried the Loki method. You were made to be ruled. We'll give you just enough freedom so you feel you have some level of agency, but we're really the ones making the shots. And all the institutions, like, say, the church, that would call you to a higher agency than the state, we will put them underground. 
And that worked for a while. But in the end, the, the natural law doesn't break, folks. It breaks you. And what happened here is that China pushed, has pushed its people too far over the last couple of years. It is one thing for you to put a cell phone in my hand and a big screen plasma television in my family room and tell me you can have those things and, you know, American Idol Beijing, just kill your kid and don't go to church. Lots of fallen sinful human beings would be obliged with such a message, right? Sure. A lot of them live here. Yeah. You bet. What happens, though, when you start starving them? The natural law happens, and real quick. And that's what's happening right now. The Shycoms have already played the card of perestroika. They already played that card. They already provided their people openness. The only card they have left to play now is Jack Booted Thug. That's the only card they have left to play. So that's what they're doing. They're going back to the 80s. Back to the future. That's what they're doing here. Because in the end... The desire to suppress their own people for the purposes of the survival and supremacy of the state reigns because that is their worldview. It wasn't the plasma TVs. It wasn't the cell phones. They gave you those things in order to further their worldview. When those things didn't satiate you anymore because there wasn't enough food. They didn't give you more food. They didn't say, okay, I guess, you know, we'll open the stores back up. Is that what they did? No. They curb stomped you. And that's what's going on right now. A point of no return. Which brings me to the other topic I wanted to discuss. The comments from John Kirby yesterday from the White House. Those of you that are my age and older, Todd and I's age and older, What does the decline and fall of a, of a superpower look like? In our lifetimes, Todd, we have seen this country go from the shining city on a hill to, dude, we're, we're trying to we're tr- topple the Iron Curtain. We're trying to topple our own country right now. And, and we don't have, we don't have time, you know, for you guys. We can't be bothered to be any form of a beacon. None. We can send an endless amount of weapons and money to a, 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 a kleptocracy called Ukraine, because that's within our elite's best interests. But toppling arguably the most evil regime in the world that at the very least played a heavy hand in the disruption of the planet known as COVID. At the very least, we just can't be bothered with that. And if you're my age or older, if you're in the boomer generation, could you imagine Kennedy saying such a thing? I mean, if you're in our generation, I can't even imagine Jimmy Carter saying stuff like that. Because from a worldview standpoint, it was still accepted that this 
was our role and responsibility in the world. Whether we were capable of pulling it off, whether we understood what to do, the, the differences between the two parties would often be whether to have an aggressive confrontational hand or more of uh, an invisible one, okay? But the idea that the U.S. would not be a city on a hill to the world. Some form of at least moral support to others who want to be free. Just in no other previous era of this country would that have been articulated from the White House until this one. Because just as we, we see as a, as, a, as a people individually, we have the lowest marriage and birth rates we've ever had. We hate ourselves. We're so self-loathing. I just, I won't even roll over and procreate with you at this point. I mean, I'll just, you know. I've got my right hand and the internet. I just want to release. I won't even, I can't even be bothered to roll over and procreate with you at this point. That's essentially what the federal government said yesterday. We can't even be bothered to put out a statement we have no re- we have <laughs> no plans to actually significantly substantively back or defend we can't even lie to you anymore we won't even verbalize it anymore these people aren't even the heath ledger joker they're the joaquin phoenix one he pulls out the gun and he shoots Robert De Niro's character right there on the stage. And before he does, De Niro says, why are you doing this? Trying to make a statement. It's about your political beliefs. And Joaquin Phoenix's Joker says, I don't believe in anything. That is the spirit of the age. Nothing. That's the zeitgeist. Nothing. Nihilism incarnate. Darkness. So what are we going to do about it? Which brings me to the third item I wanted to discuss. What happened in Mojave County's Board of Supervisors in Arizona yesterday? What a portrait of American manhood. Maybe an epitaph. What I'm doing is wrong. I know what I'm doing is wrong. Certifying this criminal election is wrong. But I'm not willing to pay like any penalty at all. I'm not, I'm not willing to confront anything at all. I'm not willing to suffer for what I believe at all. So I'll do it anyway. Imagine those 56 signers meeting in Philadelphia in the summer of 76. And they're like, guys, did you know that King George III said it was against the law to declare independence? Jefferson's like, oh, snap. How come nobody told us this? Head on home, fellas. Have a good summer. That is American manhood right there. I know this is wrong. I know my compliance with it is wrong. And I expect you to tell me how brave I am by the fact I'm acknowledging what a puss I am. That I'm not expected to act. I just, I just need you to, to validate me. 
When I say we're not a nation of laws and we never have been, we're a nation of political will and we always will be, that is what I am talking about. We will steal an election right in front of your face. Are you kidding me? To your effing face. And you will do nothing. You'll kvetch. You'll blog. And in between stealing these elections, we'll have creeps and pedos who ought to be in prisons drop their hairy nutsacks on your children's faces in a school or library. That's what we do in our coffee break. And you'll do nothing. Not a damn thing about it. Nothing. The spirit of the age is Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting. How you like them apples? We're the schlep inside the bar who just got our ass beat. That guy's a disgrace. And if you're related to him, you ought to be ashamed. I am. I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I will do it anyway. Maybe should have just said, I'm just following orders, guys. Is that too difficult? Is that too harsh? No, it was not. Hell no, it wasn't. Shameful. Not worthy of the oath you took for that office. You're a punk. Oh man, I needed some Christmas music after that last segment. You guys weren't here during the break. I'm still pissed. Just, it's, I, it's dark. It's dark. The people are the problem. Where would you the, yet be struck? The people indeed are the problem. You're right. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Preborn. In the Roe v. Wade era, almost one out of every five Americans that were conceived were not allowed to live outside the womb. Stop and think about that. Almost one out of every five. Preborn has been working street ministry for many years now. Um, uh, they understand that ultimately this is hand-to-hand combat against the darkness. So they reach moms with a sonogram so that they can see, hey, you know, that's a baby. It's got a heartbeat. Can you hear it? 80% of the times when moms can, like my mom was when she was pregnant at 14, wondering if she can have a baby or not, wondering if she should get one of those safe, legal, or rare baby kills. Thankfully, she didn't. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here today. 80% of the time, when moms know that they are a mom and that that is a baby, they don't go through with it. But here's the thing. That's, that's where the battle maybe is won, but it does not end. Particularly in this post-Roe versus Wade era, they understand now that this is more about ministry than legalities. And so they are there to provide maternity, baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling, all the aftercare that a young crisis mom like my own mom was everything that they need and it's all free because of donations from people like us if you would like to make a donation i know this time of year it's giving tuesday by the way i know this time of year a lot of people are looking uh to make donations dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby right now to do that for preborn dial pound 250 say the keyword baby or go to preborn.com slash steve again go to preborn.com slash steve 
This is an interview we are way overdue. Pedro Gonzalez has done uh, a lot of good and intriguing work at numerous outlets. He has a report that he did, pretty exhaustive, actually, over at the American Principles Project on the transgender leviathan. And we're here to discuss that and other matters with Pedro here on the show. It is good to have you with us here today on Blaze TV. Pedro, how are you? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me. You're right. It is overdue. So, brother, I'm a big fan of your work. Give our audience a little background on you. How did you get into this business and how did you decide enough people don't hate me already? So let me do this for a living. That was really it. I just, <laughs> I just chose the thing that I thought would infuriate people and disappoint my mother the most. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. No, uh, journalism. I, I really just kind of fell into to this line of work. I started writing really seriously in, in 2016, 2017. Um, and it, but I mean, what has guided me through all of this stuff is just a sense of curiosity and a willingness to take on risk. That's really it. I mean, there's there's no mm-hmm. there's no secret sauce to this stuff, but I think that maybe those things are not necessarily qualities that you see uh, in mainstream media. I'm mean, the fact that I mean the the fact that people like me have to do the legwork on topics like transgenderism, basically who's funding it, who's driving it, and things like that. Something that's so destructive and and so uh, insane. I mean, that tells you that there's something deeply wrong with uh, the way things are supposed to be, right? And um, that, that's really it in brief. I'm I'm really lucky and grateful to have ended up at, at Chronicles Magazine, where I'm a, a writer and an editor. And uh, I was really, really lucky to to basically catch the eye of the American Principles Project when I, I published a piece in the New York Post uh, one or two years ago, and it was it was about what what I kind of called the the back then the transgender uh, industrial complex uh, because it just occurred to me that there was a lot of focus on the ideological aspect of transgenderism which is something that i talk about in my report because i think it's an important part of it but what i thought was missing was a kind of a materialistic analysis of this basically when all the evidence for uh, transgenderism falls away the the so-called evidence there's there's still a whole lot of money behind this, right? Mm. And I think that that's that's something that's really important that you can't discount. Uh, that should be considered just as much as the ideological component is the fact that a lot of people stand to make a lot of money from this because when you're talking about people that have to go undergo uh, the inaccurately named gender affirming care, these are lifetime consumers essentially. These are people that are going to be going back to clinics for hormonal treatment and, and things like that. Uh, for for their entire lives, uh, so so they're the perfect consumer in in a sense. So this is a little bit like this the the industry of baby killing that even even though it might have staved off the overturning of Roe, it might not have created such a a huge backlash of pro lifers if it had given way to late term or partial birth abortion, like. Every other country but six in the world did. We're on a list of every other country but six in the world that still do that. Planned Parenthood couldn't afford to because the more developed that that baby was, the more valuable that its 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 sample was, its tissue, what it, it, its remains were to on the open market to quote unquote science. They were essentially running an island of Dr. Moreau operation, as David Delyden pointed out with his videos. Right? You're kind of saying the same thing is going on here that. Even if you win the ideological argument, the reality is there's just gold in them hills to treat your children as experiment test subjects on the island of Dr. Moreau. So the meatball surgery must go on. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I think that's again equally important. I, I think the the ideological aspect is important because the the I think what you have to take away from that is precisely the opposite of what conservatives have internalized, which is, you know, facts and logic will win the day. They won't. Sorry to say, but ultimately power is the deciding factor, and power can be money. Uh, it can be political power. Uh, the instrument uh, instrumentalization of the of the U.S. government to take on something to uh, I mean look at Florida and what Florida is trying to do with this issue. I mean, really, it's basically what I'm saying is the best argument is not going to win. It's just not. I'm sorry. And something that I highlight to kind of illustrate this point is is how rapidly, on the one hand, this stuff has has proliferated in the United States, and on the other hand, how other countries, while other countries are retreating and and kind of realizing it's like the fever is breaking, they're realizing that this stuff is insane. Mm -hmm. And oops, we've irreversibly damaged the lives of a lot of uh, young people. Uh, and we should probably pump the brakes on this stuff. The United States seems committed. It's like a crazy train without brakes at this point. We're committed, like the White House has endorsed hormonal interventions for children. Um, we're committed to the most extreme iterations of this of this ideology. And again, but if, if you look behind the ideology, there's a lot of money. So to give you a, a kind of snapshot of how fast this stuff has grown, uh, in 2013, the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders, stated that the rate of uh, gender identity disorder, which is now called gender dysphoria, because you know we don't like the word disorder anymore. Dysphoria is just, it, it indicates a kind of confusion, which is, uh, it's a better euphemism, right, for this stuff. But the rate of gender identity disorder in 2013 among adults was a rare nine to 14 in 100,000. Hmm. Last year, the American Academy of Pedi Pediatrics suggested that the rate of transgenderism, uh, transgender identification among America's youth could be as high as nine in 100. This summer in June, the Williams Institute, as part of the UCLA Law School, found that the rate of trans identification among children aged 13 to 17 could be as high as one in five. And uh, let me just, sorry, I want to confirm that. I, I wrote it in front of me. Uh, so that I don't, yes, one in five, sorry. There's, this is the, the problem with this report is, is it's so exhaustive, I have to memorize as much of it as possible for these interviews. Uh, but this June, like I said, the Williams Institute found that the rate of, of trans identification among kids 13 to 17 is as high as one in five. Now, this is really important. A lot of these, a lot of these instances of uh, gender identity disorder typically self-resolve, which is to say that just left alone, people will end up identifying uh, as a boy or a girl because that's how they were born, right? But the moment that you introduce uh, the gender uh, transition sequence, which begins with the suppression of puberty, I mean, you want to talk about conversion therapy. That mm -hmm. is conversion mm -hmm. therapy because the likelihood that a kid goes from, you know, feeling kind of confused about their gender or whatever because of something they saw on TV or read somewhere, um, the likelihood that that confusion becomes a medical intervention, which is, you know, now you're talking about things that are totally irreversible, increases dramatically the moment that puberty suppression is introduced, which also has long-term consequence. People say that you can basically just get off the puberty blockers and, you know, no harm, no foul, it's fine. Uh, totally not true. Like the moment that you start this stuff, you start depriving kids of the benefits of, of puberty, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, but that is conversion therapy. That that is the, the thing that the left often accuses us of is is wanting to you know subject people to to Christian conversion therapy, or whatever. That's exactly what this is, because like I said, the moment that you introduce puberty blockers, the rate or the likelihood that they go on to the next steps, each is more irreversible and destructive than the last, dramatically increases. Uh, and to give you one more little snapshot, and you can take it from there, is in 2007, the first uh, transgender uh, health clinic for kids was founded in Boston at Boston's Children's Hospital. At the time, it was the only clinic of its kind in the United States dedicated to comprehensive care for trans-identifying youth. That's in 2007. Today, the number of clinics that, uh, and medical offices that provide hormonal interventions for kids is estimated to be somewhere in the ballpark of 300. That I mean, that is how radically this stuff has grown. For the number of people, young people, that think that they're trans, to the number of clinics offering this stuff, has grown exponentially in just the last 10 or 15 years. And it's not organic. So we got about five minutes. Let's talk about the way forward. That's one of the sections in your report. Yep. You've kind of alluded to it. Ultimately, the use of power here, not the power of persuasion, but actual power. We saw a recent example of this, Matt Walsh over at the Daily Wire, uh, taking the introduction of one of these clinics at Vanderbilt University to his state legislature where he lives there in Tennessee and using the power of his platform, uh, compelling them to act on theirs and then getting action from the legislature and the governor to shut that thing down in just a matter of days. I would imagine that that is kind of a proto version of what you're going to say is the way forward, right? It's going to take that level of exercise of power or yeah. more or less. What say you? Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I think tr this whole thing, this entire industry needs to be treated as quackery. I mean, it really needs to be treated as no less dangerous than lobotomizing people, really. I mean, and, and you think about this, uh, it wasn't that long ago in the 20th century, in the early 20th century, remember that we were putting radium on everything, mm -hmm. uh, this this radioactive substance, right? On watches, on on China, on on drinkware. I mean, like we um, we even advertised in the United States radium uh, as a as a reproductive enhancer. And so it's crazy to believe that this was this was a thing that was being promoted by physicians and physicists that basically a man could take a a chunk of this radioactive material, and put it beneath their scrotum when they go to sleep at night, and that that would make them more virile. It would make them more of a man, right? Uh, but all it did was actually sterilize them. It's very similar to today. We had, we had these the most prominent institutions in the country basically asserting this stuff is going to make you, uh, it's going to kind of fix your reproductive problems. It's going to fix the problems that you have with your own sexuality, your own gender. Uh, and all it did in reality was give people cancer and sterilize them. And that wasn't that long ago. And, and today, I mean, we laugh at this stuff and it's totally unthinkable. Like that, that kind of quackery could never happen in the United States again. Well, it is. And I think that basically that's exactly how we need to treat this. So what that looks like in practice is uh, the, the clinics that are providing this stuff, the hospitals, the clinics, the medical offices, uh, any organization, any institution that's providing this stuff needs to have its its license to practice revoked. Uh, any doctor that that 
insists on administering any of these treatments, same thing. License to practice revoked, faces fines, and maybe even jail time. I mean, that's how we need to look at this. Uh, the National Institutes of Health actually funds a lot of the research that ends up supporting this stuff. Uh, that needs to be completely cut away from. Some of this stuff can happen on the state level, like you know, you see DeSantis in Florida pushing some of these some of these kind of parallel policies. But ultimately, a lot of this stuff does require either Congress or the the White House to do, like um, basically severing NIH funding from any institution or individual that is laying the foundations for normalizing this stuff. I mean, the foundations have already been laid. All we can really do is just uh, try to economically strangle it. In other words, as I said earlier, and I say often on this show, Pedro, we are not a nation of laws, and we never have been. We are a nation of political will, and we always will be. Do we have the will as a people to do what you just articulated? If we don't, then the island of Dr. Moreau will become the nation of Dr. Moreau. Anything short of that, that's where this is headed, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, this this will not stop on its own. And you see people who in just a few years ago were advocates for this stuff. They, they also bought into transgender uh, intervention or medical interventions for trans youth as life-saving. Now they're kind of pumping the brakes and suggesting, well, maybe we went too far and too fast. Like, you know, you, you saw the New York Times kind of raise questions about this stuff. All of these people are complicit in this. And, and they're kind of second guessing, they're you know going to their colleagues and saying, is this stuff really safe and necessary? Mm-hmm. It's completely moot. It's not going to stop on its own. There's just too much money involved in this stuff. I mean, an example that maybe you're familiar with, uh, over the summer, the Biden administration said- I've got that, about uh, a minute, so go ahead. These Sorry, the, that these interventions are necessary, right? And it cited research from a nonprofit that promotes transgenderism called the Trevor Project. Well, the Trevor Project, if you look at its, uh, if you look at the, um, the the connection between the Trevor Project and AbbVie, you'll find that AbbVie, which produces one of the puberty suppressors that's most commonly used for kids, uh, has given a lot of money to the Trevor Project through its nonprofit, yeah. uh, AbbVie Foundation. Right. So basically, the White House cited a study produced by a nonprofit that's funded by a company that produces the drugs that are used in transgenderism to argue for normalizing trans, uh, interventions for trans youth. I mean, that's the problem in a nutshell. I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, I think you're doing uh, the Lord's work. Keep in touch with us, what we can do to help amplify it when you do work, particularly in, in, uh, like this uh, with the transgender Leviathan. But we would be happy to do what we can to amplify the work you're doing, because I think in many cases it's very important, Pedro. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm not even sure to even ask you guys what you think about that, because I don't think we can really say what we think about that because we'll be deplatformed everywhere. Yep. Yeah. Starting here with uh, maybe our own overlords, actually. Okay. So I'm, I'm not even, I think the only way to adequately tell people what we really think about it is to pray. Yes. Yeah. But you know, hour two is next.
Hey, we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know, not all of you at once, please, but let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also find me at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. And then don't forget, if you are a podcast listener, if you've yet to do this, leave us a five-star review. Oh, no. On the bottom monitor, the Big Ten Network just began a replay of the Michigan-Ohio State game. So I will, I will try to do this with the least amount of distractedness as possible. But I can't, I can't make any promises. All right. Uh, if you are a podcast listener, thank you so much. You're a big part of our show's uh, ongoing growth and success. If you've yet to do this, please, if you wouldn't mind. Leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow. It depends on where you podcast from, on which applies. Thanks to all of you that have done those things for us already. We appreciate each and every one of you. This part of the show brought to you by our friends over at realestateagentsitrust.com. The feds are now going to are going to back million-dollar mortgages now. What? what? If you could qualify for a million-dollar mortgage, can't you pay for it on your own? I mean, I don't, I mean, we just go to California, America at this point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's exactly what we're going to do actually. Yeah. Uh, just another reason why don't you dare go into this. Let's go Brandon real estate market without an agent that, you know, you can trust to get you successfully to the finish line. Where would you find them? Well, the name kind of says it all head over to real estate agents. I Again, that is real estate agents. I We will connect you with only full-time successful professionals. We verify, validate them before we recommend them. That's why we've got a waiting list of thousands of agents that want to be included in this database. We don't just take anybody. We make sure they have earned our trust before we tell them that you can trust them too. Uh, head over to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com today. Provide us some basic info. Then our team will connect you to make an introduction to one of our preferred agents. And chances are, it'll be a fellow Blaze viewer listener. Come right out of this audience, all right? Realestateagentsitrust.com. Still to come, fake news or not, we're going to get into Elon Musk stepping into this disruptor space that Trump used to occupy. And is that real or not? We'll get into that here uh, a little bit later on in this hour, but let's welcome in my oldest daughter, Anastasia. Good to see you again, Princess. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Dad? Doing very, very well. What are we doing this week? So today we're playing Two Truths, One Lie. Okay. And all three of us have submitted these to you? Yes. And And I'm going to save Aaron's for last because I think it's A, the most interesting and the most disturbing, B. (laughs) So I, I was telling people out there, I was like, I don't even know if I want to know what is true. Why, and what is the why am I not surprised? <laughs> why am I not surprised? So, yeah. All right. So is just, are these going to be up on the screen? How are we doing this? No, I'm just going to read them. Okay. All right. I'm just going to read them. All right. Let's do, are we doing Todd first? Sure. All right. Let's we can do, do Todd, Todd first. Let's do Todd first. All right. And figure out which one is true or which two are true and which one is the lie. Okay. Okay. So first up. Todd is scared of heights. Second, Todd has never left the country. And third, did you mean you grill with charcoal or you have a grill with charcoal? Both? both. I guess both. 
The first one is a lie. The grilling with charcoal is absolutely true. Never Abs- left the country is, I think, uh, true as well. Except he's got it. You know, your daughter plays soccer, a world class sport, right? Track is a world class sport too. There was nothing, not even like in Tijuana, Toronto. Well, have you been to California, Todd? <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, he went to Oregon, remember? Yeah. That's pretty close. Uh, I'm going to say the charcoal grill is absolutely true. That's as urzen as it gets. I'm saying that's true. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say never left the country is the lie. Because... It is not a very urzen thing to admit a fear. And I think by putting that in there, that's uh, meant to put us off the set. Reverse psychiatry. That he does have a legitimate fear of heights. So I'm going to say the lie is that he's never left the country. That's the lie. I think it, the lie is he's afraid of heights. Okay. I, I can't picture Todd being afraid of heights. All right. Okay. Wow. Now the lie is that I grow a charcoal. That is the lie. Yeah. Wow. I you're would like af- to grow a charcoal. You're I just, afraid I just, of heights? I am. I'm not afraid of, like, getting in a plane. I'm afraid of, like, ledges. Like, ah. if you go to, like, the fourth th- floor of, like, the Mall of America, yeah. where, like, it's the glass panes. Yeah. I, and look at it. It just, it feels like the 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 floor is, like, moving. And if I see, like, my chill, my, I've got five-year-olds. Hey, Daddy, look over there. And I just, like, Freak I, out. it seems like yeah. I have a... Back yeah. away from the ledge. Yeah. But I've never been out of the country, not because I don't want to, but I've just been all over America. I just haven't been out of the country yet. And I don't have time to wait for the charcoal, so hmm. I just got to get the grilling done. But I, I didn't okay. think, wow. All right. I, I just would have figured still grilling with charcoal was an old-school Urzen thing to do. So. I appreciate that. That's okay. an honor. So we were, we were, we were both wrong. So you failed. We yeah. failed. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> Next up will be you, Dad. Okay. Okay. So first up, Dad, or Steve, as you guys know him, went to zoo school in the sixth grade. Dad went to Gerald Ford's high school reunion, and he proposed to his wife at a Michigan game. I don't think the he proposed zoo. to his wife at a Michigan game. No. I remember him talking about zoo, zoo school. Something. Yeah. I remember him talking about that. I think that's that. true. What was the it, second one? The second one was that he went to Gerald Ford's high school reunion. See, that's just so weird. It had to happen. I mean, it's almost like he was, like, were you, if he made that up, were you high when you made that one up? I mean. <laughs> that's so uh, random you think yes. it can't possibly yeah. be made it up? Must, it must be true. Yes. So I, and I don't know. I don't know Amy super well, but something tells me she wouldn't be down with being proposed to at a Michigan game. I mean, like... That could be, but... It could be. Steve would think that's the most romantic thing yeah, ever. I just true. don't remember him ever saying it. Yeah, you would think, think that would have come out sometime. So I'm going to say... She proposed to me at a Michigan game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, so, yeah I, I think the third one is not true. Yeah. Okay, you guys are correct. The well, third one is I'm the that, lie. I'm that transparent. <laughs> yes, I, I proposed to my wife at Pietro's restaurant in Grand Rapids, Michigan, an Italian restaurant there, not at a Michigan game. Um, I went to zoo school in the sixth grade. I don't know if it still exists, 
but they um, there was a school that we in the Grand Rapids uh, school yeah, you district told us oh, about this, yeah. at John Ball Park Zoo. They would take one got one boy and one girl from every fifth grade elementary That's school right. in the district, and you went to this school for like advanced placement. We took like AP level courses in the sixth grade, and that's where I got my affinity for uh, Orwell's Animal Farm. Because one of the things we did was an entire unit on the Russian Revolution and the Iron Curtain, and we used Animal Farm as one of the key texts when we went through that unit. Mm -hmm. And then you worked, if you know, you got to be junior zookeeper and work with the animals and stuff like that. Um, And then while I was a student there, because this was, I believe, a program that Gerald Ford advocated for when he was the congressman from this district, um, while I was a student there... Um, I think it was his 50th high school reunion was held at the amphitheater there uh, on the zoo campus. And so all of us that were zoo school students were brought in and attended that uh, 50th high school reunion for former President Gerald Ford, who, of course, is from Grand Rapids, Michigan. So you guys were right. Interesting. I would have figured that would have been tougher. No, I'm, watch. See, I didn't. I didn't know be, the zoo school thing. I never told you, you about the zoo no, school thing until you just told me the other night when I asked you. Yeah, I don't know if zoo school still exists. I, I don't know, but yeah, it was it was a big deal to be chosen to go to zoo school back in the day in Grand Rapids. It was a big deal. I wasn't put in public school as a kid, so I never got that opportunity. No, you know, because uh, we loved you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron, you're up. Okay, so these are Aaron's. Okay. Okay, here we go. Maiden tables over a long <laughs> holiday weekend by my, with my bare hands. The first one is the play-by-play radio voice of an NFL team slapped my butt once. <laughs> That's where we start. We start with that, okay? Yeah, okay, here we go. Number two is I publicly urinated in front of a homeless person in a place 1,500 miles away from Des Moines at 2 a.m., Okay. Okay. And number three is my car still smells like the meth heads that stole it. Uh, three is the lie because there's no way Aaron would still be driving and I don't think he could tolerate it that long. I think I remember him tell, if I, if I'm somehow misremembering. A I forgot about the meth head stealing his car a few years ago. I forgot about that. Yeah. And I worry about me if I'm somehow misremembering a urination story at 2 a.m., but I seem to remember him saying something about that. And listen, Aaron's from, uh, went to school up in Minnesota. I bet what they're, they're Paul, what's his face? The, the voice of the Vikings. Yeah, who's the local sports guy yeah. up there too, right? Yeah, it, it is Paul something. I can't remember his yeah, last I name. Bet, I bet that yeah. guy did that up there for some reason. So yeah, I think <laughs> I think the meth thing, because Aaron, Aaron, you're, you can be pretty, very, very particular like Steve can about stuff i don't think there's like with your um food and you know mm-hmm. I, I don't I, if it still smelled like that i don't think you'd be driving it i don't, just don't think there's any way all right so i i think i could totally see single aaron driving around in a car that still smelled like the meth heads that stole it but i also but i can't see particularly married and with a kid that's where the woman puts the foot down and says hey man come on so I, that, nurse. That, I think Bella would be tougher about that than Aaron would. Uh, that's the, I think it would go the other way. My mom was a nurse too. How do, where do you think I got all my clean freak tendencies, Danny Tanner tendencies oh, from? Did, I got well, them from her. Well, you never said. I yeah. um, yeah, you're, you're throwing your mom under the bus? Uh, no, in fact, that was one of the best <laughs> I, things she inst- she instilled in me was, was, was Danny Tanner's... My neuroticism. <laughs> level of neurosis about hygiene and cleanliness. 
Um, I'm going to say that. Love that, you, Mama Days. Yes. I'm going to say that's the lie. And the number one reason I'm going to say that the number two reason, number one reason is what I just articulated. I think that's where once you get married, the woman says, yeah, that's we're not doing that. Um, even if you wanted to. Then, but the second reason why I'm going to say that's the lie is because I, I don't want to believe that I hired a guy who used his imagination to conjure up a moment <laughs> where another guy slapped him on the ass <laughs> unless that just randomly happened to him. All right. I don't want to think that that is something, Hey, you know, what, what could I come up with that that would, that is such a dude code violation of existential proportions. I have to believe that that randomly occurred. That, okay. That's worse than making up a story about peeing next to a homeless dude at 2 a.m. We have I no mean, good choices here. No, we did not. But I'm going to go with the meth head. Uh, it still smells like the meth heads. I'm going to say that's the lie. You guys nailed it. You freaking nailed it. Good okay. job. I'm not going to tell you who number one was, but if you've watched NFL at all, You've heard his voice. I'm making into it into a bigger deal than what it was. But I'll t- I'm not telling you who it was, but that actually happened. When you and are... the second one that actually wait, happened you too. agreed with me? Yeah. That the meth head one was the one made up. I agree. Yeah. Well, I th- okay. I yeah. thought you said... I thought you went... went okay. I think he was just more show... Like sharing his ashamedness this, that yes. Aaron... Peed on a homeless man, or peed I mean, almost, near? almost did. Yeah, now, near or on? Home. There's almost. a difference. Near, near the near's this better. Is, this was the day near's that better. I was. Near's better. At least it wasn't on. You're an adjacent. Was, yeah, this <laughs> yes. was the. And you you did recall correct, Todd. There so there was a day. Yeah, thank um, God. If I was wrong about that, I I got up at like three o'clock in the morning here, flew out to Seattle, got a Penske, drove up to Vancouver, loaded up a house, drove back to Spokane all in one night. I did not. P on the way from Seattle to Spokane because I just I decided I was so tired I knew that if I did that I would fall asleep and drive off the road and crash and burn and so once I finally got into Spokane I couldn't hold it any any longer I was staying with my brother and so I went into this parking lot that I thought was abandoned did my business as I was doing my business around the corner of this little shed out hops a uh, a homeless person. Surprise! <laughs> I, think I, I don't know why when you said that, I thought he was just like sitting right next to you no, or something. No. That's what I pictured. I don't no. know why. So the homeschool kid had no problem with public urination? <laughs> Not really, no. All right. Because when, you guys remember when I took Noah to that Northwestern football game, the Michigan Northwestern game a few years ago. I came in the next Monday to like a 30 minute monologue yeah. about the planes, oh, yeah. trees and automobile yeah. aspect That's of this trip. My favorite Michigan football game. Yeah. Yes. Okay. When this is the first time he'd ever been like out of West Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa. All right. As a kid. All right. And, and so I take him on this road trip with the old man and you guys know the story. I'm try, trying to get to the car and I got to pee and I'm holding it, go to the one gas station that's open. The, the bathroom's closed. So I'm holding, I'm holding it. We finally get to the car. I can't hold it any longer. And I, I say to Noah, I'm like, all right, man, I got to go right now. Look out. And he's just a little homeschooled kid. You know, he doesn't, <laughs> he was he doesn't, a weird kid. He doesn't too. know. He doesn't know the dude code. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. Right. And he, and, and I, he still thinks everything I say is gospel truth. Like he, he hasn't, uh, hasn't ever his rebellious stage yet. So he, everything I say, he takes as literal hundred <laughs> percent literalism. Right. And he looks at me, he goes, you want me to watch you pee? No, that's not what I meant by look out. I meant to look, look out to see if any cops come by. I've got to pee right here. 
oh, he had no idea what that <laughs> meant. Yeah, because I mean, he was a sheltered homeschool kid, so he wasn't exposed to such, you know, vagrancies like apparently you were in the McIntyre household. Aaron, all right, Anna, go ahead. Were you gonna say something? No, no, it's true. All right, good stuff, Anna. Thank you very much. Thanks. All right, all right. Let's get to some fake news or not. Brought to you by our friends over at Paint Your Life, and we started talking about these guys last year, and I put them to the test. I uh, I gave them a the oldest picture I have of me and my mom because what they say they can do is preserve memories, even from pictures that might be old, might be warped. I gave them the oldest picture I had of me and my mom, and said, hey. You guys are going to be my Christmas gift to my mama this year, so let's see what you can do. And there it is. If you're watching on Blaze TV right now, you can see. I mean, that's incredible, that level of, of, of work that they do. They did that by hand. One of their professional painters did that by hand. I am a toddler there. My mom is, you know, maybe 16, 17 at the most. So, I mean, that picture is, you know, nearly 50 years old. They do phenomenal work like that. If you are looking for a unique Christmas gift, you can't do any better than this right now, all right? So for a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off, and this is big because these paintings, you know, they don't come in a tiny Amazon box. These are, you know, wall hangings. Those can be expensive to ship, right? They'll make the shipping free. That's a huge discount too. So shipping is free and 20% off when you text the word Steve to 87204. Text the word Steve, my name, to 87204. You can see this is hanging up in my mama's house right now, that picture you're seeing. That's the painting they did for us. I mean, it's phenomenal, the work that they did. 87204, text Steve to them to take advantage of this offer. All right, text 87204, text Steve to 87204. Uh, Message and data rates may apply, terms apply, available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text Steve, Steve to 87204. All right, let us get now to fake news or not. And this week, I want us to have a conversation about the man right now who really is at the center of the news in America, the richest man in the world, Elon Musk. It has been fascinating to watch the way he has behaved. And it has been fascinating to watch him get red-pilled on numerous topics in real time. I mean, I, I, let's start there, actually. Are we watching Elon Musk get red-pilled? Fake news or not? To any extent at all? N- not to any, if you're willing to allow for a low grade versus a all in, you know, from the fire hose. Yeah. I just, I don't know the, the man well enough. Again, I mean, you've made, did, where, where did the line move? I mean, he's, he would, he would say, I'm, I'm not changing. I'm just the same guy. You guys are all just jumping off a cliff. So, um, I'm, I'm trying to, intuitive does red pilling mean changing or is this just a re, an understanding and a reality that everybody else is going crazy so i must fair. do things i fair i'm just thinking out loud here but I, you're yes to some extent okay that's it in fact it could be a ratio of the two things the the it, it could be 
And after you explain it, it might be 70% he's just a sane human being and 30% getting red-pilled or maybe or some form of a formula there uh, with what you're talking about. Aaron, what say you? I don't. I don't think so. He seems like the same person, by and large, that he always has been. Now, I was pleasantly wrong. We had this conversation about a month ago when he was keeping some of his sensors on. I'm not really sure what the strategy was there. Um, but I was pleasantly wrong about how all that worked. And it sounds like, for the most part, he's just kind of making these decisions himself now about... Um, who gets back on and as it stands now, that's, that's kind of a good thing, but I just think, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of him. He's a guy with screw you money. That's always been known and he's just kind of playing with it. And that's kind of been one of my things with him from the beginning. He's just, this is one of the things that he just gets to do. He gets to wake up in the morning and piss excellence uh, just because he he likes to. So I, I don't necessarily think he's being red. Nice reference there, by the way. But um, I don't think he's being red pilled, but I, I don't think he's really changed. I think he's just the same guy that he that he's been. We asked the same. You asked the same thing about we did a whole segment like this about Bill Maher, more or less. I mean, Bill, Bill Maher is not he's the same guy. But he does realize it's okay. like this is unsustainable what we're doing here. Do we you think, no- okay, that's a good analogy. Do you think Bill Maher would use language like civilization is literally at stake? Because that's what Musk is saying. Right. Okay. But he's been making the, those statements okay. before. Okay. So well. then, so then you, you guys are saying, then essentially what we're saying then is that Musk was already maybe to the right of Bill Maher. I think that's, yeah. Okay. I think that's All right. Fair, and yeah. so therefore it's just now. These are, you know, position he, like he didn't probably just go buy a revolver. Like he just tweeted out a picture of his bedside table yesterday and one included a loaded revolver. Now that's just right. funny. Now he probably has had one there for a while. He just didn't, didn't get that in the last few months. Right. Okay. Then if that's the case, that takes us to a different place than with fake news or not. What does it say about the regime or the spirit of the age that us as a movement and many of our people view as this, well, to use Pedro Gonzalez's term, we were talking about last hour, Leviathan, this un- indefatigable, un- un- unbeatable, you know, wa- wall of darkness that couldn't possibly be opposed or stood up to. When Musk is literally just rubbing their noses in it daily like and, and doesn't care. And yes, he's the world's richest man, but understand... He ha- that makes him actually more exposed to them than many of you. He has to do business with these people. He has his hands in a lot of these different pots. He's doing business with World Economic Forum types. He's doing business with the Shycoms. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All right. So do you get what I am getting at? We have the guy, we have the guy in the Arizona County that I just went off on last hour. Mm-hmm who's literally saying, I am going to do what I know is wrong because I don't want to play, face any consequences at all. This- Musk, who could be threatened at a level way beyond what most of us could be threatened with. An entire empire and everything else ha- is, is literally just dropping bombs. 
like he confronting Tim Cook one on one from Apple yesterday, uh, po- pointing out gifts uh, or, or pointing or, or making memes, making his own yeah, memes. Yeah. Well, do I do I stay on this on ramp of peace or take the off ramp of war? And he's like, I'm going on the off ramp to war. I mean, explain how it is. What, who yeah. knows the spirit of the? Do you think he he knows he knows these people more than we do? These are his people. Yeah. This is his peer group. Yeah. Right. So what does it say that he is basically? dropping trow on them daily while we cower in fear yeah. what does Once that say you compared him to the mojave guy that's when it all clicked for me the point you were trying to make he can do this because he has a few money but that's not his that's not his inspiration and that's not what scares the people that are threatened by him the most it's his affect he's he whether he had the money or not that guy would not be sniveling he and he would he's a happy warrior too mm-hmm. that drives them nuts the the woke le- he mocks them tucker yes. carlson style yes. constantly yes very yeah. happily there's hardly any you know there's clearly righteous indignation but you know he's he's a pretty he's the, the memes that people make of him it's always like him with this smile that he always has on his face and he's like kicking some person in the rear it drives them nuts they it, it's that level of placidness calm in the storm not willing to be owned when they they know increasingly look what pedro gonzalez we're post-argument because so many people are willing to be owned uh, about the most absurd thing that you would think not five years ago if you said well the we all talked about the rubber band effect when is common sense going to kick in mm-hmm. it's dead we're post-argument so yeah they 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 hate the fact that he seemingly it, it, it's just not within his constitution to kiss the ring. And that's what we thought America was. And if he somehow awakens that in people, game over. So you're just, your theory is Elon Musk is just a good old-fashioned America alpha male. Elon Musk is just the embodiment of the kind of men that essentially forged, built, made a made the country. And as long as by alpha, ver- that varying belief systems, varying ideologies, but that sort of we, internal makeup. Good old fashioned is what you said. Like even though good old fashioned, don't think superhero powers or right. anything. Just think the guy who worked a blue collar job and didn't think too much of himself and knew I didn't have that many gifts, but I know how to provide for my family and I know BS when I see it. And you bring that stuff into my front yard. Mm-hmm. I'm popping you in your mouth. That. Aaron. I think the left so particularly disdains Elon Musk is because kind of kind of the same version of what, what Todd was saying. I, I've said this multiple times, but the thing elites, and you can expand this to the left as well, the true believers of, of the spirit of the age, the thing elites fear the most, even more than death, is being embarrassed because they are better than you. They are your betters. And so when they are embarrassed, when they are embarrassed, that might mean that they're the same as you or, or maybe not even on the same level as you. And Elon Musk embarrasses them on a daily basis. He does. Just the... Just the, uh, just his, just, just being there. He wakes up and it's an embarrassment because they realized, oh crap, 
we don't have all of the narrative control that we once did. That's that's an embarrassment. An example of this was 2016, and, and one of the main reasons why we have the World Economic uh, Economic Forum and ballot harvesting and uh, transhumanism that we have right now is that the the global elites were embarrassed multiple times in 2016. That's why they could not allow that to happen again. That's why we had like two minutes of uh, navel gazing on, on their behalf. And then they decided, nope, you're the problem. And so now we're just going to steal elections. And now we're just going to do, uh, you know, uh, multinationalism and just completely cede control over to Klaus Schwab. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So this is why they disdain him. And it's, the, it's a similar reason why I've said as well of Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump and Rand Paul throw in whoever you want in there of those three if rand paul was president he would be the most likely to be oft because the way he shows his disdain the way he carries himself when he's up against an opponent he he brings the piss and vinegar more so than donald trump or ted cruz or even ron DeSantis. he has he has a lot of personal, um, not sure, vindictiveness, vindictiveness. And I think I see that a little bit in Elon Musk as well. And that's why it's that's why it's personal to them. I do think that the left takes this personally. One, because they're being embarrassed by him. And two, because he is vindictive and he's able to follow through and he has a big platform on which to do it. So basically all we're saying here. Um, is he's just willing to confront these people. Yeah. Yeah, that's... And most of us aren't. Yeah. Uh, nothing more rudimentary than that. Yeah. He's just willing to confront these people, and most of us aren't. Exactly. Sadly. And so this, again, will be the dumbest collapse of a superpower. Yes. And the most gutless one. Yes. In human history. Nailed it. Okay, then. Nothing brings back warm Christmas memories like the songs and carols you love. And only pericarditis and his mRNAs have all your favorite holiday songs in one non-random controlled study. It's beginning to look a lot like a Vax Pass to get into anywhere you go. From inspiring hymns like Oh, holy spike the protein bloodstream traveling because they lied and it don't stay in your arm oh little town of wuhan we can't believe you lied you're run by creeps who should be put to sleep those bats, they don't live nearby. Two traditional Christmas classics such as The twelfth decade of lockdowns my true lords gave to me Absolutely freaking nothing I've been home since Christmas hmm. You can zoom with me said your kidneys to the people far and near do you fear remdesivir then there's those funny novelty songs to lighten the mood grandma got run over by a promo he left her to die in an infected nursing home i really can't stay baby 
it's COVID Stan. I really must go. Can't baby, it's COVID Stan. I saw mommy masking Santa Claus because the CDC said so last night. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell palsy. If you dare get that booster, then you sure are ballsy. And of course, we remember the reason for the season. Ouchie, did you know that your virus would someday wreck the world? Fauci, did you know that your science doesn't know what's a boy or a girl? It came upon Anthony Fauci, a sulfuric presence of old. From demons deep within the earth, who knew that his soul was sold? But that's not all. This collection has so much more to offer, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Redfield, All I Want for Christmas is My Fifth Vaccine, Deck Rochelle with Facts and Data, Whitmer Wonderland, Little Jabber Boy, Have Yourself a Little Waning Efficacy, Happy Christmas, This is Never Over, and more. All this can be yours for a high, high price we can't name yet because inflation, but don't let that stop you from this once-in-a-lifetime collection. Call now at 1-900-666-VAX to order. Only available while supply chains last, must be double masked when you call. Again, that's 1-900-666-VAXX. One year ago today, that debuted. Still holds up. It does. How much of that, that was parody a year ago, is prophecy now? Sadly, too much. Sadly, way too much of it. Way too much. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. We told you yesterday the story about the amoxicillin shortage. Another reason why you want to get the Jace case, because you never know when Let's Go Brandon might hit the uh, antibiotic supply or when they might try to take a, a life-saving medication away at a time of need and claim that it is now suddenly dangerous. Not that that would ever happen, of course, and not that it ever has, but just imagine... If it actually did, that would kind of suck, right? Indeed. That's why you want to make sure you are prepared with our friends over at Jace Medical, J as in Jeff. Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com is where you want to go. Uh, it takes just a few minutes to fill everything out, get the medication you want dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost to make sure your family is stocked up and ready because winter is coming. Use the code DACE10, DACE10 to get $10 off. DACE10 to get $10 off when you go to jacemedical.com. jacemedical.com, code DACE10. All right, let us get to Pop Culture Tuesday. And Disney has been the most bankable brand in American pop culture ever. Maybe ever? Yeah. I mean, it, it has the goose or the mouse uh, that laid the golden egg here. Uh, Disney has not had what would be categorized as a flop among its animated films, 
which has been its staple. It has had live action stuff that wasn't all that commercially successful for various reasons. And I think one of the things it ever produced was a live action film version of Ray Bradbury's uh, short story classic, Something Wicked This Way Comes. It was not uh, a huge success at the box office, even though I think the movie version is tremendous. I would highly recommend it if you can find it. But um, from an animated standpoint, they are the standard. Until this year. Earlier this year, Disney had the bomb with Buzz Lightyear, which was kind of inexplicable. We're talking about a beloved character from perhaps its most successful all-time franchise, Toy Story. Certainly is in that conversation, fair? Mm -hmm. It's at least in the conversation. And he's one of the titular characters. Uh, Yes, they did not bring back Tim Allen, who of course is loved, but... They, you know, they put Chris Evans in there. It's not like, you know, he's not an A-lister at this point in time, right? Right. Didn't he just get voted sexiest man alive or something I think I saw yesterday or something or other? That would be more in your wheelhouse, Aaron, right? Getting slapped on the ass by uh, broadcasters. Wow, that was a good save because I was, I would, did you see <laughs> yeah. me rolling over here I did. to plaster you? I did, you? that's what I was like, I got to load up. Yep. <laughs> I set myself that up was, there. That was an yes. excellent save. Yes. That's off. <sighs> that quick wit saved me just now. Yes. But it's not like they replaced him with some schmuck, right? I mean, Chris Evans is a very well-known and, for the most part, liked actor by much of America. Yet that movie bombed. Is it because that they were aggressively marketing it preemptively uh, from a LBGTQFU standpoint, that one of the characters, I believe the female lead, her mother is a lesbian or something. I don't, I don't know. Like most of America, I didn't see this film, so I don't know. But this was, I, I, from what I understand of the movie, kind of a throwaway line and not central to the plot. So a lot of people just figured that that wasn't the issue, that it just, you know, was a character that was kind of played out. Okay. How do you explain then that Disney's Thanksgiving weekend release, Strange New World, flopped even harder? This is a film that has been aggressively marketed, LGBTQFU. Uh, Christopher Rufo is reporting from his sources at Disney that originally they were going to actually make the gay character non-binary, but they thought that might be too far. So they just went with good old-fashioned sodomy, I guess, instead. Um this movie could end up being an over $100 million loss. Um, its production budget is $180 million, but, that, but see, that doesn't count the promotional budget. Take it from a guy who's making a movie right now. There's the production budget, and then there's the promotional budget, <laughs> okay? Two different budgets. This, is good. this film is going to cost well over $200 million for Disney to bring to market. And they're not going to come close to breaking even on it. This is looking at being the first certifiable flop of an animated film that Disney has had. I went and looked it up since The Black Cauldron. I believe that was in 1982 or 1983. So we're going back 40 years. It seems to me it's pretty obvious what is happening here. This is a classic case of get woke, go broke. I don't, I don't have a clue what else it could possibly be because they both happened in the same year. You could say, okay, strange new world, new property, nobody cares, disinterested trailer, fine. 
Buzz Lightyear is one of the biggest brand names in its entire staple. Same exact thing happened. The, these two films literally have nothing else in common that would explain their mutual failure other than get woke, go broke. So let's start there with our Pop Culture Tuesday conversation. Is there another explanation here other than that? Well, but it's it's by design and they don't feel bad about it. It's not going to change back. They're not going to stop doing this, especially because of what you said. It is it is the goose that like the golden egg. I mean, it's w- one of the biggest coups for the woke movement. If if that's if this is one of the biggest, how did you describe it? Uh, Disney is it is it rivaled as the 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 business the company the icon if you've captured it the most bankable, bankable brand yeah, in the history well, of american pop culture yeah this is a a celebration and it doesn't really matter uh if people this i've talked about this in journalism again kind of thought the rubber band was going to break back they didn't they didn't care that they were just dist- people like they destroyed newspapers as a business that, that was that's fine because there's a larger goal so uh it Disney will then pivot uh, ultimately and propagandize and be used as a tool, just like so many other uh, vestiges uh, of the economy. Because here's what we know based on everything else we doc- talked about the show. The, the America, yeah, it's it's breaking, but woke isn't. It's winning. That that that's the the tension we have to acknowledge in this these people not going and spending their money let's not confuse this with really taking a stand against wokeness because we're not not to the extent that it needs to be taken a stand against if we're going to stop it in time so then is this this just exhaustion uh well, I think people will, we have so many other things to do or just not do. Uh, you know, if you, now that you can sit down and, you know, go through any number of things on Netflix, who's, I mean. So they have suffered at least some form of market blowback to this then. I don't, I don't have to give this, I don't have to let you subject me and my children to this anymore. I have other options. There's at least some penalty that they're paying for this. I agree with you. They don't care because that's what the spirit of the age is destructive in its nature. So that's why this conversation isn't about saving Disney or resurrecting it. I have no, I could care less one way or the other. um, This is more about has it pushed its own audience to a breaking point? And I think that this clearly indicates that the answer to that is yes. Now, whether Disney will acknowledge that in any way, shape or form and, and reverse course is an entirely different conversation, but at the very least, Todd, for this to happen to them twice in one calendar year cannot be ignored. They have clearly pushed their audience too far. Uh, yeah, to the, but just to the point of I'm going to spend my 10 or whatever it is these days, quite frankly, I'm going to spend my 10 bucks differently. We need more than that. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just wish it was like a sign of finally people are going to wake up. That I don't believe for a second i just think they're spending their money differently but they'd go ultimately most of these people that are spending their money differently would still go out in the streets and say yeah 
uh, people should be able to do whatever they want to, and I don't have a problem with the drag queen down the hall, whatever. I'm not going to take a stand. I just, I just don't see a, a great. I, if if this was me three years ago, I was like, think finally we're going to wake up. I just don't think we're going to wake see, up. See, I think this actually fits in the conversation we were having on and off the air. This is how I can speak up without having to confront anybody. I just don't give you my money. See, I think people are waking up. They just still don't have the balls to actually confront. This is the most passive-aggressive way possible that you can express your disdain. I just don't give you my money. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to confront anyone. I don't have to make... Nothing's messy. I just don't affirmatively go and hand you my money. And doesn't require any form of backlash against me as an individual. I don't have to face any specter or confrontation for this decision. I don't disagree with that at all. Okay. Aaron, I'm gonna, I want to get your response here after I tell friends about our tell everybody about our friends over at Tommy John. You guys know I love my underwear. And all the underwear I've gotten the last few years has come from Tommy John. They let me try a few pairs for free when they signed on here to the show. And I've loved it ever since that it's the only underwear I have bought ever since. I can't give a product. I can't give any of our partners a better endorsement other than I'm paying out of my own pocket for it. Uh, I mean, it's a tremendous... It's a tremendous product. They've got loungewear. They've got a line for the ladies as well. Find out how they have sold over 18 million pairs and why they don't just have customers at Tommy John. They have fanatics. Right now, get 33% off everything, plus free shipping. 33, so a third. Take a third off the cost of everything. And free shipping when you go to TommyJohn.com slash Steve. That's their biggest sale of the year right now. TommyJohn.com slash Steve. One more time, a third off, 33% and free shipping at TommyJohn.com slash Steve. Aaron. So I have no idea. I did not, I had no idea what this movie was until you sent Todd and I uh, text with the, the box office figures on Saturday or Sunday. I'd never heard of it. Um, I don't know if you guys had seen commercials for it. I guess maybe I'm not the demographic that they're looking for, but then again, I am, you know, a dad now. And so I, it's, a, it's supposed to be a kid's movie, right? Um, so I have no idea what the actual story is here. But something I've seen just in the last 10 years or so, 15 maybe, the left, and in the left particularly in Hollywood, used to have absolutely no problem co-opting our stories and themes and then sneaking in a little bit of woke garbage. You see that theme repeat itself over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Maybe the biggest one in my mind was Beauty and the Beast, where it was a big uh, to-do about uh, Gaston and what's the other guy uh, having a having a thing for Gaston. What, and that was, was, by and large, overblown, if I'm not mistaken. I think what we're witnessing here, and again, I think I can say this even without having seen this the, the, the movie and knowing what the story is. Maybe the story is great, but what we're seeing here is that, is that companies like Disney, they are moving beyond just co-opting themes, and now they're shoving it right in our face. It's the narrative itself. It's the narrative itself. Mm-hmm. So maybe it has a great story, but it doesn't matter when the main character is homo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. That is the story. And I think much like people with bros and having the uh, fudge packing shoved right in your face, they just say, icky, no thanks. So then they have 
stretch their audience to a breaking point then. think so. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.